Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Michael Brandvold, and as always, I'm joined by my new co-host, Jay Gilbert. Jay, hey, welcome back. Thank you. Um, let's just jump in. Jay, I want to turn it over to you, and you get to introduce uh, the first special guest the two of us have had as, as, as co-hosts now. Yeah, and I'm, I'm really pleased to uh, welcome Steve Knopper. Um, I first became aware of Steve when he released his book, Appetite for Self-Destruction, um, which, uh, honestly, I probably sold 20 or 25 of those to people. It's one that not only have I read, um, but I also downloaded the audio book. And I, I rarely read a book twice, but there was so much about that book, so many of the meetings that he touched on that I was a part of. I was sitting at the table, and I thought it was fair. You were it like, oh, my God, I hope he's not mentioning my name. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, it was it was very fair. It wasn't bashing the industry, um, but I thought it was a very good book. Um, but um, I was introduced uh, electronically uh, to to Steve from a mutual friend of ours, Eric Garland, and we had some correspondence via email. And uh, I was uh, uh, and still am a big fan of that book, and hope that there is uh, another version of it coming. But I did jot down a few notes that. You know, uh, Steve has a biography coming uh, from uh, about Michael Jackson next month through uh, Scribner, Simon Schuster. Um, he's written for New York Times, Rolling Stone, Wired, um, all sorts of top-notch uh, outlets. Um, so, without further ado, uh, Steve Knopper. Steve, thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, um, thank you. you know, for I'm honored. I can I can reiterate what Jay said about the book, Appetite for Self Destruction, the spectacular crash of the record industry in the digital age. Great book. Um, highly recommend anybody in the industry who hasn't read it should read it. And if you are just a fan but interested in the business, um, definitely read it. It's 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 really insightful for what's going on. Um, but the book came out in 2009, right. and, you know, a few things have changed in the industry since 2009. <laughs> a few things have changed since yesterday, is the way, it seems like, the way this music industry is going. But one of the, um, one of the things that I, I loved about the book was you had listed out big music's big mistakes, um, of various items that you just said these were big mistakes and we won't get into them in depth but I'll just sort of run through them real quick here the CD long box big mistake independent radio promotion digital audio tape um, killing the single pumping up the big boxes secure digital music initiative um, the RIAA lawsuits uh, the Sony BMG root kit um, and and I think if you were in the industry, you all of these, you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. I remember what happened on that. If you yeah. weren't in the industry, you might not have even like, what's the big deal about a CD long box? That was cool. It was artwork. Well, you know, there was there's there's a story behind that. Even like BMG's rootkit. I I was actually working at a um, internet security startup software company when that hit, and we mm -hmm. were just like, holy crap! Are you telling me that Sony is selling music? CDs that have that 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 install this stuff. Wow. Um, but what I what I wanted to see if we could kind of riff on a little bit is since 2009, 
what what's your take have, have there been big mistakes have there been mistakes what what have what have you seen in the industry in the last six years yeah I mean we were talking about that earlier and and I actually think it's funny my my book as you guys I'm sure know um, never mentions the word Spotify like it, it Spotify was just starting to happen just as the book was coming out and I it, when I was doing my research I, I had no knowledge I mean it was way too early well and and, and yeah, even so. even starting to happen that was more of starting to happen overseas. Right, because because right. I, exactly. I I remember hearing about Spotify, but I was like, oh yeah, yeah. it's this little music streaming company out of Sweden, and yeah. I'm sort of like, all right, that's no big deal. It's in Sweden. Yeah, let let them do whatever they want in their country yeah. until it lands on our shores. And yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of a lot of little chatter about it, but you weren't really paying attention to it. No, that's time. right, and and I think the jury's still out, sort of whether Spotify is a quote unquote big mistake. You know, I mean, I I don't right now. I think it's fairly easy to say it's not a big mistake. I mean, Spotify has been a huge success, and when I say Spotify, I'm I'm sort of thinking of the freemium model. Are you, you know? are you so are you are you in general saying freemium streaming services? Yeah, that's that's what I'm talking about. Okay. I mean, the idea of 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 having free streaming as somewhat of a loss leader that brings you into the ecosystem where you eventually pay for streaming like is that i mean record companies over record executives as you guys know over the last year or so um maybe a little longer has started to come out and say let's scale that back a little bit that there's you know we we've, we've right. opened the barn door a little bit too far let's bring it back a little bit sure and, and especially so, with apple music right, the right. pendulum and has swung is the other up. way Right, and they're saying everybody has to pay. Although they're, you know, they have three months that's completely free, and that that may have been a big mistake. You know, the whole Taylor Swift thing. We could we can get into that. Sure. Um, don't 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 you think in general though? I mean, because the freemium model is usually the argument's been well, it's supported by advertising. Yeah. Um. Yeah. In in general, and you know, and I've been working. I mean, I've been involved in the internet since 1995. And and frankly, I look at it like anybody who comes out and says their business model is based on support from advertising revenue. Right. Sorry, that, right, that you, you, you you're, you're not that. Yeah, that's not sustainable. That's not going to work in right. the long run. And that's that point is in my book. I mean, there are tons of advertising supported streaming models pre Spotify that crashed and burned. I mean. Spiral Frog wasn't that wasn't that mm -hmm. one? That's always usually the euphemism wow. for, for for you know for bad advertising streaming models. But Spotify kind of figured out how to split the difference. You know, they they figured out how to sort of create this this road. You know, where you could get onto an advertising streaming model um, for free, and then they will lead you into this ten dollar a month premium model. And they've had a lot of success with that, and and the question, and that's been going on for for five years. First in Europe, as you said, and and now in the U.S. and and broader, more broadly. Um, and the question is, you know, is that model going to survive? Spotify insists they are are doubling down on it. They are saying that's our our model. We're going to continue with freemium. We don't care. But the record executives and Apple Music and others are sort of saying, well, you know, the barn door's too open. Let's that's too much free, yeah. you know. Let's let's scale it back. Why should we allow? Uh, you know, Taylor Swift is saying this. Why should we allow everybody to get all the free music, and the people who pay essentially get the same music? That's not fair, and and that's going to be a battle that's going to be fought in 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 the months and years to come. It seems like there there's a lot of talk in the last few weeks and couple months about 
even Spotify, at least engaging in the conversation to scale it back a little bit. Do you think that's the right thing to do? I don't know. Um, I think that the answer to that, I think, is not enough information. And I think we will have the information within a few months after Apple Music's free trials end. Um, yeah. Once Apple Music switches, what it's going to be late September, I guess, when all the people who've had the free trials from, from the beginning, from June, switch to the $10 a month, and that's all you can do, tend to pay the $10 a month, are people going to use that service? If they do, and Apple Music starts to boom, which could possibly happen, it's Apple, you know, and, and the services, it has its kinks, but it, it's pretty good. Um, you know, if, if that booms, I think then suddenly you start to see a move towards let's get rid of all free streaming. I suspect the record, record labels start to go, we don't need YouTube. You know, we, we don't need a freemium model. Everybody's going to pay for this. And I, I suspect, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, Jay. You, you know, you guys know inside more than I do, but, but I suspect that's the way they go. If Apple Music turns out to be a debacle or it goes, if it swings in the other di direction and nobody buys it for $10 a month and Apple winds up either having to sort of backtrack or say, yeah, maybe we should do a freemium model, you know, or whatever they do, then, you know, I think then, then that model continues and, and continues to be uh, important. You know, yeah. what, 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 I, what I find interesting is for the past few months, you know, there's always been, it seems like almost every week, a new article comes out about how artists don't make money from streaming services. Right. And it always seems to hinge around, well, it's, it's the freemium model. Of course they're not making money. The, the fans aren't paying. Um, if that freemium model gets removed... What happens to that argument? Are right. the artists still going to be at the same level of payment? Then, then, then who do they blame? Then what do they blame? Yeah. That argument is so, it has so many layers to it. And people try to simplify it. And I find that very unfortunate. And, and I think people like Taylor Swift, um, while right-minded and have good intentions, I think contribute to the, to the oversimplification of that. I mean, for the last year or so, it's been sort of, Taylor Swift takes on the streaming companies, Taylor yeah. Swift versus Spotify. But it's not as simple as that. You know, it's, it's, I mean, a lot of it has to do with artists and their record contracts, right? Exactly. It, and, and, and record labels are sometimes these artists who are complaining, Taylor Swift, Roseanne Cash, David Byrne, you know, all, all different in different phases of the record deals, but they're all sort of, you know, their beef in many cases largely has to do with whatever record labels they have contract contracts with. So if they're not seeing the, the proper amount of royalties, okay, maybe some of that has to do with Spotify. Some of it has to do with the streaming model in general. It's not paying enough. I, I grant that that's important. But a lot of it has to do with deals their own labels have made with the services. And And to get even further, more wonky into it, a lot of it has to do with breakage right you know and the idea that that spotify is is making these upfront deals with the labels for millions of dollars and we've seen evidence of this um you know and and not sharing that money with the artists at all you right. know so, so that means jay get out of the case you know the lawyers yeah. have to go in and 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 fix the problem so yeah. it, it, all part, that has to be worked out part, and, part and of me feels not, like that will never that will never get worked out because it hasn't been worked out since day one. That's been a right. that's been a, a a a root complaint artists have had about labels since the very first record right. contract was ever signed, and they discovered that they were making one cent 
for every one dollar the record label made. Wait right. a second, you're screwing me. That's never changed. Will that change because of this? No, I don't think I, so. I think it, it, beco yeah. it becomes a. It's like a magic trick. It's like, look over here. Don't look over here. Oh, this trick yeah. you figured out. Well, now we'll throw up another magic trick over here. Don't pay attention. You know. I feel like there is a move for transparency, like there never has been before, um, and I think it's bred from some of the miscommunication um, from whether it's somebody who's well informed, like a David Byrne, to somebody like Taylor Swift, although well intentioned. Um, it makes great headlines. Taylor Swift takes on Apple or Spotify and wins, and you know people are getting screwed by the streaming services and. I don't really feel like that's the case, but I do feel like it's a new way of doing business. It's got a different you know, financial structure, and there does need to be some transparency. There are at least some education because there's a lot of confusion out there as to and, – and people compare apples to oranges. I mean, can you compare terrestrial radio, what you do make or don't make from that, or YouTube – you know, or, you know, the streaming services paid versus, you know, freemium or even digital downloads. Those are all very different um, revenue streams with different financials. And I, I think a lot of times in this debate, they're lumped together and like, well, I got a check for 32 cents and I got X amount of spins. I, I just think that that's misleading. Yeah. I, I do think that transparency everywhere needs to happen. Transparency from the record labels, transparency from the streaming services, transparency from the artists. Because if if we, I'm sure we all recall when when Taylor Swift first popped up about pulling everything off of Spotify, there was quickly people coming in going, there's more to this than her just not liking the payment structure. They're trying to sell her record label and they want to boost up CD sales. So I would say... There needs to, when somebody like a Taylor Swift or any artist steps up and starts ra waving a flag, where's your transparency that you're doing this for the greater cause and that you're not doing this because you're trying to make a bigger deal with somebody else and by r making this stink, it helps your deal? Well, I used to work with Henry Droz uh, and Henry had this great saying, you know, it's not about the money. It's about the money, <laughs> you know? right, right. meaning that everybody says it's not about the money, but when you follow the money, you, it always ends up back at yeah. money. It, and, and, yeah. and, and therefore, I think transparency needs to bubble up everywhere. Yeah. Because, you, Jay, you and I have talked about this when it comes to the playlists that we see on streaming services. I, as a user, do not have much trust in, in a playlist curated by a service because I don't have trust that they're not being bought that's or manipulated somehow, uh, manipulated sure. that 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 artist is not in there because it's truly a great artist it's in there because of some influence and yeah. and and i remember distinctly when when beats first appeared after apple bought them one of their curated playlists was a target playlist do not tell yeah. me that that is not all influence. Why would I listen to what a Target playlist has? That's yeah. Target promoting what Target wants. Well, Where's like the transparency? It's the Tower Records staff recommended CD. Is that really recommended by the staff or is it really? But you know what? That's a great point and I'm so yeah. glad you brought that up. Number one, I worked at Tower for five yeah. years. I have a soft spot in my heart. Um, I did see a screening of the documentary and I thought you were very insightful. I think I have a little, I don't know if you guys can see this. 
Oh yeah, great movie. Yeah, and I got treated very well. I can't wait to see that. Um, It's it's great. And and you know it it could have been five hours long. Yeah. um, But you know Tower. When I started working there, you can compare that to streaming services where it was user generated. We put together our end caps. If there was a band, I remember there was a band called Lions and Ghosts that we fell in love with. So we did an end cap, put promotional materials up. And next thing you know, some of the local DJs started playing it. They saw it. I mean, it was kind of that grassroots kind of thing. But near the end, by the time I was leaving Tower and then working for Universal, everything was paid for. Every slot, every listening station. There might have been a few, you know, editorial listening stations. But for the most part, you know, those were all kind of paid for. And I believe that's when Tower lost its soul. When it, when it lost that, like, you could go to a tower in San Francisco and it was totally different than the one in Seattle or Manhattan. Yep. You know, they all had their own flavor. And as an employee, you could really push, you know, what you believed in and play it in store. And, and let's face it, that sold a lot of records and those end caps did. And now you fast forward to the streaming services and these playlists are the end caps now. And people are busy. They don't have time to go through 30 million tracks it's like okay tell me what i can you know what's a good list to work out with you know or a hard rock list or a dinner music list or whatever and you know michael and i have talked about this quite a bit uh, and i think there's a lot more to discuss as we move forward that those playlists um if they're genuinely curated by you know users like you and me that's one thing um if people are slipping things in that they're being maybe um uh, paid for, you know, to get in those. If it's sponsored, you know, there's there's got to be transparency there too. So, do you listen to streaming services? I mean, how do you consume your music? You know, me personally, I I think about that question a lot, and I'm always kind of monitoring my own behavior. And I have a 13 year old daughter, and I monitor her behavior as well. You know, she loves that, and um and so uh, I, I personally. I'm a traditional radio guy when it comes to discovery. And so, and I tend to do that in the car. I mean, I have my own outlets, you know, I have like nerdy rock critic message boards that I read online and, you know, and, and I'll look at Rolling Stone and spin and all the, all the other stuff, you know, but generally speaking, I mean, I like to get in the car, turn on the radio and have a good song come on that I've never heard before. Are there good stations in the Denver? I mean, there are, yes, there are good stations in the Denver area, but I do have Sirius XM, you know. So, oh, you do? So, okay. Yeah, yeah. So that's how I do I do the discovery for the most part. Um, I I love Spotify. I'm a, I'm a big, I'm from day one, I mean, I had a, a secret European Spotify account here for, for a while, you know, before it, before it launched. And, um, and I love Spotify for how easy it is to get to stuff and how you can, you can, you know, discover something elsewhere and then play that whole album on Spotify and use one to affect the other. And I like the Apple Music Discovery stuff, but as you say, I'm a little dubious of the playlists. You know, I shouldn't say that because there's a lot of great ones from Rolling Stone that are on there, you know, and I've Mm -hmm. I've listened to those. But I just find myself, I guess I have a weird arrogance or or sort of a weird, like, like, um, I don't know, maybe it's OCD in some way that I have to do things a certain way, which is that I like to make my own playlists. You know, I like to discover stuff from radio. I don't like to discover it from a playlist from someone I don't know, you know? How about so, your daughter? So, is, is, well, my daughter is all about YouTube. Yeah. Every teenage daughter as well, YouTube. and it's the same. Yeah, and, and my daughter has, oh, she does some Spotify. She has a non-premium Spotify account, 
and she's happy to sort of do the Spotify radio thing. Um, she tried Pandora for a while, but she likes Spotify better. Um, and and she'll you know she'll have a playlist that she makes on Spotify based on what she's heard from their radio kind of random shuffling. Um, and and she hears things on in the car and and Sirius, and she'll add that. Um, so she's a definitely a different kind of listener to me. It's funny YouTube for her has destroyed all, all the ways that I traditionally heard music. She has no interest in television. She just won't watch the television. My well, so, so, She's so, in a film program at her school. She's an art student and um, in, in middle school, and she won't go to the movies. You know, she doesn't well, like going to the movies. Let, so. let, me, let me ask you then. So sticking to the topic of potentially new mistakes that have been made since 2009, yeah. is there a mistake in the industry – ignoring giving YouTube more of a free pass and putting all the attention on streaming services like Spotify? There's is, there a, a there, is there a mistake happening yeah. there? There's a mistake somewhere in YouTube and, and in, in the YouTube relationship with the labels and with the content creators. I'm not sure what the mistake is. You know, I'm not quite sure. I mean, maybe it was, I mean, the labels got themselves into YouTube in part because legally they have to. I mean, YouTube is is a streaming service and it has safe harbor rules that protect them, you know, from from being sued the way Napster was. And so, the, and the labels can all take down stuff from YouTube if they want. So therefore, it's it's totally legal. Um, and and so, but the problem with YouTube is that it undercuts everything, you know. And and although I mean, YouTube's a great service. I use it all the time. My daughter uses it all this time. But it, it undercuts the idea like, okay, I'm Prince and I want to take everything down, you know, and I have the right to do so because I don't want my music being streamed for, for free. It's going to pop up on YouTube anyway. It's, as, as everybody says, YouTube is just whack-a-mole, you know, so it, YouTube tries. I'm not suggesting they're doing anything illegal, but it's just impossible to control everything. And yet, on the other hand, YouTube created Psy and Gangnam Style, you know, and that guy has made millions of dollars off of YouTube. You know, you can argue maybe he should have made more based on all the all the views he had, but he he's I mean, he's a YouTube guy and there Justin Bieber probably wouldn't exist without YouTube. Okay Go probably wouldn't have a career without YouTube. And so there you know, so so YouTube's a very complex subject and and you know, you put Apple Music up there and and they say, "Well, we want everybody to pay $10 a month." Yay, everybody pays. Well, I can go get that song for free on YouTube anyway. And so I can get the whole. Got, I can get the whole. I can stream the whole album on YouTube. I mean, YouTube right. is the number one place yeah, for music absolutely. discovery on the internet. And, and it's almost like this weird. Like we don't even talk about YouTube. Like we're doing all this stuff, Spotify and Beats Music. Exactly. And network, blah, 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 blah. Yes. To me, that's. I Let's feel like that YouTube even exists. I feel know? like that's a mis- There's a mistake happening <laughs> there, there intentionally yeah. or unintentionally. Yeah. We are don't again, don't look at that YouTube over in the corner. Ignore them. We like them enough because maybe it's all because years ago when it first started, the labels realized, my God, the amount of promotion and discovery that we can get by having a video that gets viewed millions of times yeah. from a PR standpoint is massive. Then came the oh wait a second, we want to get paid for that. Well you already let the whiz you know, the genies out of the bottle. Now yeah. you're trying to put it back I mean, in and control labels it. tried to sue YouTube early on, and and they failed. And instead, they made. I mean, Universal was the one, right, Jay, who who yeah. sued them first, and then and then instead they wound up making deals with YouTube. And then Vivo happened, you know. And Vivo may turn out to be a mistake, you know. I don't know. I mean, it's it's it was up for a while, then it was down for a while. You know, I'm not I'm not yeah, really sure I, where where it stands now. I don't know what the numbers are. 
Yeah. Um, but I, and I don't know if record labels. I mean, in the way that I position big mistakes in the book, I don't know if there's any other thing record executives could have done about YouTube. Yeah. Well, I other think than what it, they've done. Yeah. But I think what you, I do you, think. Go, go ahead. ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just oh, going to well, say. I I think, think, no. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jay. I'm sorry. Okay. Let, let me finish this thought. Um, I mean, I do think that since my book came out, um, 2009, generally speaking, and you can you can chime in with this, you guys, um, but generally speaking, record labels have tended to be smarter about digital and about the internet than they were. I think that there was a, a long period where they said, we don't want the internet, screw the internet, we only want to keep selling CDs, you can't tell us what to do, you know, we're going to sue you, we're going to do this horrible DRM, da 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 But in the last six years, it's been sort of, okay, we're resigned to this, the internet exists, we're not going to be as rich as we were previously. All the money's in live. You know, maybe some of us will go work there for a while. But for the, the, those of us who are staying at record labels, we are going to collect as much money as we can off of all these little tiny income streams. Ads from YouTube, you know, ads and premium payments from Spotify, ringtones for a while if we can yeah. get them, you know, video, on and on and on. You know, there's all these little tiny income streams and you collect enough of them, um, you know, you you have a little bit of a profit. You have a little bit yeah. of a business model, and yeah, so, agreed. so they're and being I think smarter. If, if they're smaller, if these record companies, distribution companies, and I hate saying this, but it's just the fact of life. If they can be smaller and more nimble, um, they can do some of these things. But you said something earlier that I, I think is absolutely correct about YouTube. It's not that these companies don't understand what YouTube is up to and what they're doing. A lot of it is so beneficial to the music industry. It's just that it's complex. You can't paint it with a broad stroke. What is YouTube? Well, YouTube is radio. YouTube is streaming. YouTube is TV. YouTube is discovery. It is, I mean, it is so complicated. There's so many things. And you can't just, you know, bite off the hand that feeds you. You can't just go in there and say, well, I'm not going to have my music on YouTube. But I do think that there needs to be discussion surrounding, well, what is you know, on YouTube? And to your point earlier about, okay, it's like whack-a-mole. Well, it, it really is, but at least you've got that exchange back and forth. Like, well, this is leaked out. We want this taken down. Okay, you can take it down. Well, then somebody else puts it back up. Well, then you can, you can take it down. Um, there is that discussion going on, and I think that's important to have, but you're absolutely right. It's a very complex thing, and it should be in the discussion. I think that the Spotify's and the RDOs and Slackers and Apple Musics get picked on unfairly you know, for how much they're paying out and, and all of these things. Um, I think that they're very healthy for our business, and I think we need more Apple Musics and Spotify's, especially if Apple Music does what they claim their goal is, and that's not to necessarily steal Spotify's uh, base. It's to go out and get people who aren't paying for streaming at all right now, new, new customers. I think the, the industry could definitely benefit from that revenue. Steve, let me, let me ask you, so here's another potential bad business move. Um, it sure got a lot of press. When Apple gave away the U2 album for free, a um, couple things that people were up in arms about. People in the industry were up in arms about. You've just 
took the value away from music forever. Music now is no value. And then you had users going, how dare you force me to take an album for free? I mean, is there potentially a mistake in how that happened? It was a mistake for sure. Whether you know, I, whether it has, it was a big mistake with sort of long-term um, implications. I don't, I don't know yet. I mean, Apple Music obviously has sort of, cha- has sort of changed the whole model since then. Um, but you know, in the end, that U2 thing, if that had been a great U2 record, I don't know if that many people would have complained. I mean, if I'd gotten, you know, um, um, rattle and hum. You know, right. Or whatever, you know, whatever it is, uh, whatever great, maybe that's not the uh, Octum Baby, you know, as, as my free album that I have to have, you know, I think probably most people would have been okay with it. Well, like, you know, and, 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 and one of the arguments I made was because one of the people who came out against this was um, Sharon Osbourne. Oh, my God, you've devalued music yeah. forever. How dare you do this? Yeah. Please, Sharon, if they had asked to give away an Ozzy album for free. You're not yeah. telling me, and, and believe me, it wasn't free to the artist. Yeah. The artist made plenty of money off of this. You, Apple paid you two for this. Apple mm-hmm. would have paid Ozzy if they were in. You wouldn't have taken this? Yeah. Don't, well, don't, I mean, don't I lie love, and love, say you wouldn't yeah. have done it. I love Sharon Osbourne. I think she's one of the great and perhaps one of the great underrated rock managers of, of, of history. Um, you know, she she's really done amazing things for Ozzy's career. And I'm a little biased because I've, I've spent time with her, like on their tour bus with little white Pomeranian dogs. And that. So, <laughs> but you get you, you get my point. Every one of these artists yeah. who was upset that it happened with you, too. Yeah. If it, if you were given that opportunity. Yeah, I I find it hard to believe there isn't an artist out there that wouldn't have accepted that opportunity. No, I agree. I agree. I mean, I think it was a unique deal that was made with U two, and and you know, if you go back and kind of roll back what U two was thinking when they wanted to do it, it certainly makes sense for them. Like U two is the kind of band, um, like almost every other old rock band or or older act in music, which is to say that they have a live career that is incredibly lucrative. But they don't really have a recording career that's lucrative anymore, or very lucrative. Springsteen's going through this. The Stones have gone yep. through it. You know, on and on and on. You know, and and a part of this is just natural progression in the music in the music business, just the way it happens. But I think you too want it. Still wants to be vibrant and still wants to make records, and they still want to make a splash when they have a release. You look at every release you two has ever done since the early days, and they always make some kind of a splash in kind of a. They attempt to do it in a unique way. They haven't always succeeded. Um, and I think this was their way of saying, how can we put out a record, um, make a lot of money, spend as much money as we want on the record, and, and still be a vibrant recording artist? Sure. Um, and so for you 2 it made total sense. For Apple, I think it made sense because they got a lot of marketing out of it, or they, they thought they would get a lot of good marketing on it, out of it. Um, and in the end, it just wasn't that great of a record, and, and it was over. Fair enough. And I think that that combination is always deadly for an act. You know, yeah, don't but you they think? did I mean, rise it, above it, the clutter, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody for a knew about the time. YouTube. Yeah, and that's you know, personally, was was I upset that I got the free YouTube record on my iTunes without my permission? I, I just I felt like that was sort of like first world problems. Exactly. <laughs> really? I I, I I listened to it. I thought it was fine. You know, I I think when that was, I still have it. I didn't delete it. I like I'm a completist. You know, I like to have all the YouTube albums on there somewhere. Um, do, you, do you do you think do you think that move that single move by Apple turned Apple into or indicates Apple's going to become a record label? 
you know, that's a good question. I, I, I always think Apple's going in that direction. I always think, you know, it would just make sense. Sometimes I think this. I said, you know, it would just make sense if they got a bunch of content and they got a bunch of record executives over there. You know, maybe they could really do it. But then you think Apple's a really smart company in the record business. I mean, no offense to you, you guys who have worked in the record business. It's not really on the on the upswing, you know. I right. mean, it's, it's not... Right. It's not a business that, that a company like Apple, I think, would, would take advantage of. Instead, what they did was they hired Jimmy Iovine, and, and they also right. got the electronics company. They got Beats, Beats Headphones, you know, and they went into the streaming direction. So they've always, I mean, consistently the last 15 years, their move into music has been more as the distributor, right? Or, or, and now or they have radio. radio. But yeah, don't you... Don't, radio, but don't you... Now, radio is a really interesting move. I mean, that's a bit of an exception to that, like... The idea of being a radio station, I mean, that's not just, oh, you, you press the button and you have radio. There's a lot to that, right? Right, Jay? Don't you think think a lot of that, the, the Apple attitude is, sure, the music industry um, has had its problems and isn't the best industry, but we're going to show everybody how to do it right. We're going to show everybody how we can reinvent it and make it work because that's sort of Apple's attitude of we're going to... It's always been their attitude on their yeah. products, right? They didn't in- invent the MP3 player or the no. cellular phone or the tablet. They made them complex things simple, and they marketed them well. I don't know. I, I, I agree with your point about that, but I'm, I might correct you um, and you know tell me if you think I'm wrong about this. You guys have more experience than I do, but I'm not sure Apple ever really set out to reinvent the music industry. I think Apple has always wanted to sell its own products. And if they, you know, if they, can, if they happen to reinvent the music industry the while doing product. that for their own interests, you know, then they, well, I, I, mean, I think it's always about at the end, it's all again, it's this transparency thing. It's always about their own interests at the end yeah. of the day. They're not, they're, they're not going to create something that is guaranteed to lose them billions of dollars. Yeah. That's not in their best interest. But I, I, I sort of feel like iTunes was their way of saying, Hey, we're going to show you how to do this right. Hmm. Nat, Nat, Napster is not the right way to do this. We're going to create a service that yeah. we're going to show you how you can sell music, how you can easily buy it, how you can easily get it onto your players. We're going to create something new and do it the right way. Right. Yeah, but I think I think yeah. Steve is your point's well taken. I mean, that was to sell iPods, right? And I think right. that it it was very successful. I mean, decoupling the tracks from the album. You know, that's a huge thing. You know, that changed the business. Yeah, you didn't absolutely. have to buy the full album anymore. And, uh, you know, I, what, I don't but, think... But what, what, what if, what if and, and, you know, here I'm just playing the what if scenario. What if becoming yeah. a record label gives Apple a lot of this exclusive content and the only way you can get this new release is through Apple Music? Yeah. It's the well, same concept of... Yeah. You can. This is how you sell iPods by using iTunes. We're going to sell signups to Apple Music because this next album, this next album, this next album it's coming through is, Apple is, Music is only coming yeah. through Apple Music. Well, the issue of exclusives is an interesting one on streaming services. You know, I mean, Tidal sort of had the had the the market cornered on that. I was going to say, there, 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 there's one point. last mistake we can potentially yeah. talk about here is 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 Tidal. Yeah, okay, and, that and, one. Yeah, and and their and their um, their press conference with the big yeah. artists, and and I will upfront I will say, 
I was a title user before that happened. I really was a big fan of the service. When that happened, it totally soured it for me, big mm, time. The press and conference. The, the press conference. And then after the press conference, they actually raised the price right. of the service. And I right. said, F you guys. Yeah. You don't need to raise the price. You don't have more music than somebody else. Um, and second of all, don't cry sad artist tears for me here. All those artists that were in that press conference, again, transparency people, you're making buttloads of money. Yeah. Don't, well, don't cry for yeah. me. So, you know, it soured me as a title user, and I stopped, and I unsubscribed from their service after that. The, the message there was pretty muddled, and, and I, don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with sort of we're rich artists, and yet we're standing up for this principle. Like, I, I don't think that's a big deal to me. Um, I don't, that doesn't strike me as a contradiction. I mean, it's okay for rich artists to stand up for a principle. They, they deserve to get paid for music that they produced or wrote or, or created. I guess the problem that I had was more sort of, again, the whole message there was along what we were talking about earlier with Taylor Swift, which is sort of like artist versus Spotify or artist versus streaming. You know, and, and it's not that, and that's sort of the message that I got from that title press conference and in interviews that I conducted with title yeah. people here. And, and sort of Jay Z gave interviews that were a little bit confused, but, but kind of led towards that message. And my problem, again, is not, I, I think it's oversimplification to say it's artists versus streaming. It's really artists versus their own record label who has a deal with the streaming service, none of which is transparent, as you suggested, Jay, you know. And and nobody really from title all those artists who had had consumers ears and they had they had the whole soapbox none of them really explained that very well mm -mm. and and Taylor Swift hasn't really either and it's all kind of oversimplification David Byrne keeps coming out with stuff in the New York Times and whatever David Lowry tries to explain we're all hearing all these explanations but none of them add up to something that's really coherent like what's really going on what needs to change in this kind of three-way relationship between artists, labels. I'm, I'm not sure. I just got some weird music feedback here. Sorry. I, I heard that. No worries. I heard okay, no worries. Sorry. Let, me, let me back up and, and just say something needs to change in terms of yeah. how that triangular relationship between artist, label, and streaming service um, is, is explained to the public. So I, I, no, I, 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 I totally agree. I felt like that was the big... The big part of that title press conference, excuse me one second here, I, I'm all for artists getting paid. I'm, I yeah. want to support them. I felt like they weren't conveying that message. Yeah. And, 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 and totally. more importantly, they missed, it, it, was, it was all these super A-list artists. Yeah. There was no B-level artists, C-level artists in there. There was no up-and-coming indie artists. The, the artists who really do need your support, who, who, who are, are scraping nickel and dime by to get, get to their next release. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't feel, I personally don't feel sorry for that A-list artist going, and, and maybe this is because I'm more into a tune with the industry, how things are so bad for me. Dude, I'm sorry. Go look at the record contract you signed. Don't scream about the streaming service. You sign that record contract. Right. And believe me, that record con contract probably gave you a nice, healthy advance. Yeah. 
now you're yeah i think now you're hitting it <laughs> i mean you you're getting yeah. advances from everybody that yeah. c level indie artist is getting no advances they yeah. literally are living on whatever they sell or whatever is played and right. and that and that's what felt wrong about that title press conference yeah agreed yeah yeah i mean some sort of coherent explanation i mean like i'm a huge roseanne cash fan and i don't mean to pick on her but i love her twitter she is hilarious um and and i just i have nothing bad to say about her but every now and then her twitter feed kind of pops up with some sort of version of i hate streaming i just released a whole bunch of music and i'm getting pennies you know okay well, I'm, I'm very sorry about that. She's an artist and she deserves to get paid, absolutely. On the other hand, Roseanne Cash is signed to a, a record label. you know, And, and right. if that's happening, and the record labels all have deals with Spotify and all these other services and YouTube. you know, And so if that's happening, I mean, Roseanne is in a pretty unique position, I think, to, to go in and get an accounting. Or if not, she should be sort of explaining to the public transparently... Yeah. You know why? Why am I not getting an accounting on this? Sure, it, it's sure. more complex than just it is streaming. It, it really is because these record companies participate on multiple levels. Whether it's an upfront deal, whether it's from advertising, you know, whether it's having a piece of the company, it's not as simple as you get this many percentage. You know, this percentage of a penny for each stream. It's it's not that simple, and it's, I, and it's and it's not as simple as many artists say. The streaming service pays me. No, the streaming service does not pay nope. you, the artist. The streaming service pays the rights holder, and right. quite often that is not the artist. That is a label. The money passes through the label, runs through your contract and all their magic accounting, and what drops out at the end is what you get. That's not the streaming service's responsibility, what happens to that payment when it hits your yeah, rights holder. That, 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 that's missing from all. And, and part of me almost feels like the labels are quite happy to have this uproar right now because it's taking the attention away from the artist label relationship. Yeah. And now the streaming services are the bad guys. Yeah. That Taylor Swift thing, it was very, very interesting, the timing of it, because Taylor came out, what was it, last October, right, when 1989 came out. And she did this Wall Street Journal article, and then she yanked all her music from, from Spotify. Spotify, right. Um, right. And then shortly after that, the label's position changed. Um, you know, I was doing these interviews with, with people from, from major labels. And, and, you know, before that happened with Taylor Swift, I was talking to them. And the real issue was YouTube at that time, like in, in mid-2014. They were mm -hmm. concerned about, you know, the indie label contracts with YouTube came up and the new on and on, you know. How, yeah. how are we going to improve our relationship with YouTube? After the Taylor Swift thing, all I heard from labels was sort of, freemium's a big problem. Like, Spotify and freemium, that's, that's kind of, we need to fix that. We need to dial it back so not everything is, you know, so Taylor Swift affected some change, for sure. Her, sure. She, she was a cause and effect there. She absolutely. shined a light on it. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that people don't bring up very often, some people do, is, you know, if you don't have free YouTube and if you don't have freemium Spotify, aren't people going to go back to piracy? I mean, I hate to sort of parrot a, a Spotify talking point, yeah. but does, what's going to happen there? If, if everything goes to Apple Music system where it's 10 bucks a month no matter what, there's still going to be this element of people, sadly, out there who get all their music for free. Right. You know, isn't it better for them to be 
on on a service. That's a great point, like, and and it's also that we don't really talk, I think, enough about the the sheer volume of people who are still uh, taking music for free, whether it's right. through BitTorrent, peer to peer, whatever. the The numbers are still staggering, but because there are alternatives, that's kind of taken a back seat. But I think you're absolutely right. Um, one of the reasons Apple iTunes was successful is they came to the labels and said, you're getting beat up because there's no alternative right. yet. And here's an alternative for you. Simple, turnkey, we're ready to rock and roll. Right. You know, but with, with all of this sharing, the illegal file sharing, I've had hands-on experience where artists that my labels have represented have pulled down their music, and then you immediately see the... the you know, illegal file sharing go sky high. If your point is well taken, if if they can't get it simply, easily, free, paid, whatever we're talking about, they they will go find it uh, illegally. Yeah, and I, I don't mean to enable theft. You know, with this argument, it's it's a little bit of a nuanced argument. You have to be careful because theft is bad, and artists need to be paid, and and labels Agreed. deserve to be paid, and so forth. But. The fact is, this contingent of people who think music is free for gen- what two generations now, one or two generations, you know, yeah. they're out there and they're not going to change. I, mean, I run into people like that all the time. I, I knew a guy who's um, in a band and and was trying to make money on his own, and he was like, you know, hey, I, I just heard of this great band called Husker Du, and and um, you know, he'd never heard of them before, and mm-hmm. I, I'm, you know, I, I just I pirated their album Zen Arcade, and I was like, you know, like. Of all the music that has value, Husker Du's Zen Arcade has value. You should pay for that thing, you know. And you know, but there's there's it, people it, it, who are it, it, it'll, it'll be interesting yeah. to see <laughs> that with streaming services right now, this new generation that's growing up with a streaming service part of their entire life, right? As that generation, another ten years, twenty years down the road, what happens at that point? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, well, yeah. because you've had it for an entire generation, will the problem finally start to disappear? Because the previous generations grew up without it, and it came into it. Now we've got a generation. My my two year old daughter is going to grow up n- knowing full well about streaming services. Yeah, that yes. could be the the tipping point where things change because a whole new generation now is finally growing up with. An alternative. Well, yeah, again, I, I mean, go ahead, Jay. Well, I was just wondering, Steve, about your your daughter because I have two teenage daughters, and I'd love to get your take on. You know, I know how my daughters consume music, and it's primarily through YouTube. But I, I firmly believe that at some point it's going to be like the bottled water argument. Yeah, you can get it for free in the tap, but there's something about convenience and known quality and, and, and other things that my gut tells me that when they get into college and they really maybe find an identity through music, maybe like we have at some level, that maybe they will subscribe to a, a Spotify, RDO, you know, Apple Music, whatever, that caters to the kind of music because of the fact that it's not a lot of money, it's very little money, um, and maybe it's bundled with something else that they're already using, whether it's their Roku, Apple TV, you know, cell phone bill, whatever. Yeah. 
it's so great. I, I can see them moving to that and actually paying for it. Do you think I'm naive? What do you think about your daughter? I do think that, I mean, again, our, we're both biased because we, we're pretty sophisticated about knowing how this stuff all works. I mean, I can imagine that some parents couldn't care less and they're like, oh, yeah, you get stuff for free. Keep doing it. You know? um, but no, I, but generally I agree with your point. I mean, I think, I think that when I talk to label reps right now, what I hear is that they kind of are salivating about this idea of $10 a month multiplied by millions and millions and millions of people, multiplied worldwide by all these places in the world that don't have it yet, they see this, like, you know, this horizon that's, that's really incredibly broad that, that, you know, much better than sort of, you know, hoping that someone will go buy an individual CD now and then. And so, so they're really excited about that idea. Um, I do believe that a service like a YouTube or a Spotify freemium puts people more uh, likely to be on the road towards that. Um, and, and I do think, as, as you know, to use labels language, it sort of gets them in the ecosystem. You know, mm-hmm. whereas piracy was the Wild West and, and you know, you, you go to Google and you download an RAR file or blah, 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 you know, you're, you're, that's it for you. You're, never, you're only going to get your music free. But there's a road that now. And, and I think... I think you just got to keep letting people go down that road for a while. I, I think, you know, don't panic. It, yeah, it's I a, agree. It's a decent don't panic. Idea. That's a, that's I think a, that's a, I, I yeah, think it's that, still, that should be the theme of the show is yeah. <laughs> don't panic. Yeah. Don't I, panic. I do think that Apple music is, is a little bit of a potential fork in the road. Like I was saying earlier, if Apple music comes out and, and $10 a month is incredibly successful and everyone does it, it becomes like the iTunes store was originally. That's the way everybody does digital music. That's the direction it's going to go in. If not, if it's, if it's a debacle, you know, everybody's just going to say, well, Spotify, that works. We're going to keep doing it that way. Yeah. I sort of suspect it's going to be the latter thing. I suspect, I I can't predict, I have no idea, but I suspect that Apple's going to find they're going to have to make some compromise on this. Yeah. Well, guys, you know, we could keep chatting for another hour here. <laughs> I'm I, 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 I love this talk, and we're going to definitely need to get you to come back, Steve. Maybe yeah. maybe af- after some of the, the dust has settled around Apple Music, we can come back yeah. and look at love real numbers and, 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 and real response. But let me give you a chance right now. Plug um, plug your upcoming book, your website, wherever you – what. This this is this is your moment. Yeah, that's right. I'm in that movie, which is very exciting. I, I they uh, Colin Hanks, you know, directed this movie, and and um, they were kind enough to bring me out and um, and and film me in the in the movie. I'm sort of like the the talking head expert yeah. source, you know, kind of thing. And um, I actually one day we were filming, and and Colin's father Tom walked in, and wow. you know, I, I actually was able to have like a, a twenty second conversation with him. Interestingly enough, Very this cool. was maybe a year or two, like what he wanted to talk about was how do you get your music? And he was, Tom Hanks was, you know, frustrated about sort of like, there's Spotify and there's, there's, you know, Sirius and there's this and there's that. How, what's the best way to do it? What's, I don't have a lot of time. What's the most efficient way to get the best music? Wow. So, you know, and, and we were talking in this room in the Hanks family office that was filled with LPs, you know, so, so Tom sort of concluded like, like maybe that's the best way after all, you know, anyway, but it's that's a great movie. Cool. And, and, um, I was excited to be part of it. It comes out, yeah. I think it's wide release in September or October. Um, yeah, I'm, but, I'm um, by the end of the year and, uh, yeah. I hope everybody goes to see it. I thought you did a great job in it. 
And, and before we, we cut you loose, tell us about this Michael yeah. Jackson biography. You know, I, I, um, I write about the music business quite a lot, as you know, but I also love to write about actual music. And, um, and I, I was lucky enough to get a deal to do a biography of Michael Jackson, and it's called MJ, The Genius of Michael Jackson. It comes out October 20th. Um, and you say, well, there's been a lot of Michael Jackson books out. Well, m mine is, I think, the only sort of narrative book about him that focuses pretty centrally on music and dance and performance. So I tell all the stories about how all the songs came together, how the live shows came together. I mean, yes, there are discussions of nose jobs and drugs and various things. I tried to put those in sort of a, it was hard, but in It's not the focus. It's not the focus, and when I did do that, I tried to be incredibly objective about it um, and sort of come to conclusions based on the facts instead of, you know, jumping into one camp or the other and making these kind of, you know, emotional claims. So I, I hope I hope people like it. I hope it comes across, and uh, I'm really excited to talk about him for a while. So Excellent. Looking forward to it. Thank you, guys. Yeah. And, and, and do you have a website, Steve? You want to I have a personal website. Um, it's nops.com, K-N-O, P as in Paul, P as in Paul, S as in Sam. It's my longtime nickname. <laughs> nops. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Steve, th 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 this was awesome. Thank you again so much for joining us. Um, amazing discussion about some of the maybe potential bad mistakes they've made in the yeah. industry since 2009. Absolutely. I hope you do another version of that book that's updated. I wasn't kidding. I think it's one of the best books ever written on the industry. And Thank you. I think it just screams to be updated. Well, I'd like to. I mean, there, there's definitely some stuff that uh, you read the end of my book and it's like, hmm, maybe streaming will happen, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, Steve. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you, guys. Thank I enjoyed so it. Take, take Thank care. You. Good luck with All the right. podcast. Bye. Thank you. Yeah, I, I so love chatting with Steve. That was... Um, you know, it's like, let's have a third co-host. <laughs> yeah. He, he just has a really unique perspective. And he's not a guy who's worked with record companies. He's a guy who's kind of reported on right. record companies. He has a different view. Yeah. And, and I wasn't kidding about that book. I've literally sold 25 of those. Every time I talk to a friend and they want a good book on music industry, um, and it's really not just about shame on you, music industry. Here are your mistakes that you've made. It's some of these mistakes we couldn't see coming. You know, um, I think the most interesting chapter is the one about digital audio tape, DAT, because I remember being around at that time and, and the industry was so fearful that that was going to be a new format and people could record their vinyl records or make a copy of their cassette tapes and then they'd have, you know, their CDs they could make a copy of and they'd have a perfect digital copy. And I remember the industry was up in arms about it, but because there was so much focus on that, that's how the recordable CD got by. Yeah, it, it, it's 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 funny. I remember I remember the DAT tape. I wasn't like inside the industry as much as you were, and and as a as a consumer, I was left scratching my head, going, "Oh, what do you want to put another format out for? Why yeah. why? There's already mm -hmm. more than enough formats." Mm -hmm. Um, and and the the issues you just brought up, it's like. Well, gee, I remember those issues when cassette tapes first showed up. Yeah. Um, home taping is going to kill. It's killing the music. It's going to kill the industry. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I, I remember buying albums and there were inserts, paper inserts, With home taping. Yeah. yeah, it's just like every new format had that. But then at the end of the day, the labels secretly loved a new format if it took hold because guess what? 
they resell you your entire catalog again. Exactly. Exactly. And, and part of me has always felt like that's when MP3s hit and, and good or bad quality, but when an MP3 hit, it sort of put a nail in the coffin of future formats. And that's what really bothered labels is because there was no there was no future reselling you your catalog. You well, and remember, I, you know, we we bought yeah. we bought vinyl. Mm-hmm. And I I rebought a considerable amount of it on cassette tape because gee, I want to listen to it in the car now. Sure. We Walkman came around. You could even do it on your bike. Yep. And and then uh, of course when CDs hit, that was the major gold rush. We rebought everything in CD. Yeah. Um, and you know, so how many times do we have to rebuy that same album? Well, to your point, now digital, um, you know, people went to kind of rebuy a lot of their stuff. Some people ripped it. Others, it was a little too technically challenging for them, and it was just simpler for them to just buy it uh, from iTunes. You know, but I remember being in those meetings, Mike, back in the day when, when the first Napster popped. I, I was sitting in my office, and a friend of mine said, you need to check this out. And I went in there, and I couldn't believe that I could – find all of this stuff and download it. And um, there was a gentleman in an office next to me and I pulled him into my office and I said, name an artist. And he'd name an artist and I'd look it up. Bang. I mean, it was just, it was just earth shattering. So I remember being in those early meetings where we were saying, okay, how are we going to monetize this? And one of the leaders that Universal hired at the time was Albie Galutin who is a great guy, you know, he produced Jellyfish and uh, Barbara Streisand and Eric Clapton. His big claim to fame was he produced Saturday Night Fever. Well, I got to work with this guy. And he was also on, you know, the team that I believe created one of the first CD-ROMs that came out. And he came up with this plan, and this is way before, you know, DRM and, you know, iTunes and all of that, where you would basically put a wrapper around a song and you'd have a key for it. And he also came up with this thing called locked content, which I thought was pretty cool, where you could sell somebody an album, and if they really dug it, they could enter a code, and all the other albums are attached to it already. You know, you could buy another song or another album. So these things were definitely in play early, early on. And I took offense to some of the articles I was reading in Wired and, and places saying, oh, record companies don't have a clue. Well, maybe some of them didn't, but a lot of them were very smart, but man, oh man, that's how do you monetize free? Well, and I thought iTunes did about the best job that you could possibly do by, and here's the other thing, and bear me out. The, the other thing was that we'd have different contracts for every artist because, you know, a high level artist wanted a certain royalty rate and then a new developing artist didn't have the leverage and they wanted something different. And those contracts initially were all over the map when we were trying to do our own thing. Apple came in and like only a third party I think could and said, look, you don't have an alternative to people stealing. We have a free one. You either sign our contract. It's 99 cents for a track, 9.99 for an album. Everybody gets paid the same. You either do this or you don't play. And that's something that I don't think the majors could have pulled off. Yeah. Right? I mean, you know, we've chatted about it in the past. There was too many 
too, too many labels that each wanted it their way. They were never going to be able to get every label to agree to the same format, the same platform, the same structure. Uh, nobody wanted to. You know, at, there, there was a time where it almost seemed like every month it's like, well, guess what? There's this new streaming, not streaming service, there's a new online service by Sony. Right. Next week it's a new online service by Universal. Next week it's yeah. a uni it's Capital. You were just like... And they're all different formats. They're different formats, different Crazy. prices, different player. You were just like... And as a consumer, as I was seeing it, I was just like... I'm not touching a single one of these. No. Why, the why, why would I buy three different... in your favorite yeah. artist and it wasn't available, you're done. Yeah. You know? And that's where I think iTunes and later the Spotify's of the world, man, you can go in there and find almost anything. But to get back to, you know, uh, Steve, I, I just, I love that book. I rarely read a book twice. And I've read his book multiple times and I have an audio version that sometimes when I'm traveling, I'll just put it on and... And listen through it again. It's just, it's really good stuff. I'm really looking forward to his Michael Jackson book. Um, and I hope, I really hope that he does uh, a follow up kind of updated version it of it. It really needs it. I mean, come on, since 2009. I mean, so much. So much has changed since 2009, more than what was changing when he wrote the book. I mean, things <laughs> have just been so accelerated that. Yeah. I would love to have him dig back in and relook at it. And, you know, like we tried to touch on here, what are some of the things that could have been the potential mistakes? What became the big mistake? You know, yeah. a year from now, looking back, was freemium a big mistake or not? Yeah, was what Apple, could be a mistake? Was, was Apple Music a big mistake when you've got a year behind you to look at it? Um, just some amazing things, you know, is... He, he's he it, it's really some interesting insight is what it comes yeah. down to it's just more yeah. of again it's you know like last week we talked about the questions that need to you need to start asking about streaming and playlists these are questions you need to start asking of was it a good or bad move with apple and youtube was it right good and or bad to have free versions of streaming services yeah. um you know and maybe it might take a little time i mean some of these are these are all the right questions to ask but i think a couple of these questions we may not know for another year or so um as they until, kind of until evolve. some of these strategies evolve i mean yeah. is apple going to do another music play like youtube and does it firmly solidify them as a record lit. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've, I've said it before. I could see Apple becoming a record label at this point. What, what, why aren't they, why are they any different than a major label at this point? They've got money. Record mm -hmm. labels have money. They have distribution. Record labels have distribution. They have the ability to market and promote just like a record label. Go out and sign a band. And yeah. if they decide to give the music away, well, that's their business model. And they're cash rich, so they could definitely bankroll a new developing artist and yeah. you know, pay for the kind of marketing that is required. Um, I could see them, you know, because of the fact that they're, they're now a radio station. And I don't mean like an iRadio, you choose kind of Pandora thing. They're more like a terrestrial radio station. And I see that uh, blossoming and becoming bigger and bigger. Um, connect you and I have talked about it it's certainly not where it should be Jimmy Iovine said that in the press 
but there's a lot of potential there. So that's a social market or social network. You know, it's streaming, it's downloading. I mean, I think they're poised to be a record label. And I would really love to have uh, Steve come back on again. I thought he was very insightful. And, and I think we just kind of scratched the surface at some of the yeah. conversations yeah. we could have. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely. we got to get Steve back on. We've got, just for everybody listening or watching, we've got a couple upcoming guests. So I won't mention their names yet because I, I, I don't like to do that because every once in a while things change in schedules and then it gets bumped right. back two or three weeks. Um you know, you never you never announce a band's going to have a new album until you know it's done and recorded and in the can. <laughs> and you've got it in right? You've got you've got the yeah. masters in your hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got a couple interesting guests coming up that um, are are, are going to bring in some more very interesting insights to so. things we've been we've been discussing here. People that I would look to and say, all right, you've got more of an expert opinion. Jay and I are asking the questions. You're going to now answer those questions. Um, so definitely stick, stick around. We've got some, we've got some, some we've got some interesting things on deck where we, where we want to take this. Um, you know, by all means, hit us up with questions and comments on, on Twitter, on YouTube, um, on Facebook. We, we love, we love reading them. Your feedback is, is important. I mean, it really does help. And then finally, if you do really like this, head over to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. That's that's really important for us as well. Yep. So uh, I guess that's it. Till next week. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye.